but others, it's uh, spiritual, perhaps. Getting into scripture and perhaps, perhaps saying your resolution is, I'm going to read through all of scripture this year and, and setting out on a, on a journey to do so, whether it's you know, from page one to the end or if it's just skipping around in different books. So we're going to actually begin a series that's on some of the difficult parts of Scripture. We, we called it Hard Sayings, but uh, it's actually based on a little bit on a book called How Not to Read the Bible by Dan Kimball. In this, in this book, uh, Dan Kimball begins by sharing a story that he uh, experienced. Uh, he had received an email from a college student. And this college student shared about how he was no longer a Christian and that he was now an atheist. And as Kimball recounts this story and this interaction with this college student, he writes this. It wasn't the preaching. Good, right? It wasn't the preaching. It wasn't the music that led the student to this decision. It was when the student actually sat down and read the Bible that he became an atheist. It was in the Bible that this college student encountered stories that he had never heard about in church before. Stories that made him question. And as he read, the more he read, the more he questioned. And, and the stories made him wonder, why, why does God forbid clothing with two types of fabric? Why does, was God so violent in the Old Testament saying that they should destroy a whole group of people, men, women, children, and all their things? Why? Why does... The Psalms in Psalm 137 seem to celebrate the killing of babies. I think I'd add there's some other questions that we could have when we read things from the New Testament. Why does Jesus say, drink his blood? And that if you don't drink his blood, you don't have any life. Why does Jesus say that we should hate our family? Why does Paul say in 1 Corinthians that women need to be silent in church? All of, of these things are things that maybe make us wonder, what does that actually mean? Does it apply to us, maybe, when thinking about some of the stuff in the Old Testament? You know, if we read Scripture in a a very cynical way, uh, we could have this thought, which comes from atheist Richard Dawkins, who says this, the God of the Old Testament is, and I think I have this actually on screen, the God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all of fiction, jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak a vindictive, bloodthirsty ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, 
you'll see dot, 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 because he had other words that I had no idea what they meant. Sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully. And maybe you, like I, need to go get a dictionary and find out what this actually, some of these things mean. But sometimes when people read Scripture, they come away with it with a different type of view of who God is and what He is here to do. Maybe you and I, we've, we've encountered verses within Scripture and it's caused us to question. So we're going to take some time as we begin this new year to look at a series looking and trying to understand those difficult passages. There's a, a verse in Scripture that says, All Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching and for reproof. And if we believe that that verse is true, then, then while all of those difficult areas, those areas that talk about a violent God, those areas that talk about laws that maybe seem odd and, and weird, they must have some way of speaking into our lives. There must be some aspect of transformation that God has for us in those words of Scripture, even for us today. So, as we, uh, as we begin, I'm going to share a video which is roughly about 15 years old. There was this show called The West Wing, and it followed uh, a, a, a presidential character. And we're going we're to watch a section where this president character is asking some questions of this other individual who happens to be a doctor, and, and they're questions related to the use of the law in Scripture. So why don't we, why don't we watch that video? Forgive me, Dr. Jacobs. Are you an MD? A PhD. A PhD? Yes, sir. Psychology? No, sir. Theology? No. Social work? I have a PhD in English literature. I'm asking because on your show people call in for advice and you go by the name Dr. Jacobs on your show and I didn't know if maybe your listeners were confused by that and assumed you had advanced training in psychology, theology, or healthcare. I don't believe they are confused, no, sir. Good. I like your show. I like how you call homosexuality an abomination. I don't say homosexuality is an abomination, Mr. President. The Bible does. Yes, it does. Leviticus. 18.22. Chapter and verse. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions while I had you here. I'm interested in selling my youngest daughter into slavery, as sanctioned in Exodus 21.7. She's a Georgetown sophomore, speaks fluent Italian, always cleared the table when it was her turn. What would a good price for her be? While thinking about that, can I ask another my chief of staff, Leo McGarry, insists on working on the Sabbath. Exodus 35.2 clearly says he should be put to death. Am I morally obligated to kill him myself, or is it okay to call the police? Here's one that's really important, because we've got a lot of sports fans in this town. Touching the skin of a dead pig makes one unclean. Leviticus 11.7. If they promise to wear gloves, can the Washington Redskins still play football? Can Notre Dame? Can West Point? Does the whole town really have to be together to stone my brother John for planting different crops side by side? Can I burn my mother in a small family gathering for wearing garments made from two different threads? Think about those questions, would you?
this would be uh, a type of show that would be seen by people throughout America. It would be a way that Scripture would be portrayed to every household with that program on. And, and frankly, what many would say then is, man, there is a bunch of outdated, old, irrelevant laws that we find in Exodus and Leviticus. I'd like to add, uh, just because we do have some sports fans here, the football is actually not made of pigskin. It actually never was. So even a Jewish person could touch it. It was actually, they used the stomach of the pig to inflate the ball and have something on the outside of it. Anyway, I, I am ADD right now, apparently. We needed to know that. Uh, but we saw and we heard a few different ways that you could see outdated laws. You know, I love eating pork, so we probably don't follow that. You know, there's other ones that says don't plant two uh, kinds of seed next to each other in the same field, as this guy referenced. Don't wear clothing woven of two kinds of material. Then don't cut the hair on the sides of your faces, right? All of these various laws we find in Scripture. Why? What type of transformation is going to come to us by reading these various types of laws? Well, I'm going to invite us to think about a couple ways that we should couple principles that we should have when we read Scripture. And we're going to do this before we, we get into our text today. Uh, first, uh, right there, it's not building. The first one is that uh, we need to remember that the Bible is a collection of books. The second is that we need to remember that the Bible is written for us but not to us. There's a difference. There's a difference between having something written for us and written to. It was written by human authors, authored to a specific people group. That was not me, but God has given it to me that I may understand and, and glean something and learn something from Scripture. The third principle, this is by far my favorite. This is the way that uh, Dan Kimball had it written in his book. Never read a Bible verse. Now, that might seem kind of odd. Never read a Bible verse. What it really means is never read a single Bible verse. Every piece of Scripture has a certain type of context that we need to know what is around it. So we should not just read one Bible verse, but we should read many, perhaps chapters, to understand what is happening in Scripture. And then there's one final very important piece. Everything in the Bible points to Jesus. Everything, even into Genesis, even all throughout the Old Testament, Scripture always points to who Jesus is and what He was coming to accomplish. So 
So, as we head into, we're going to look specifically at Leviticus. We need to consider, where is Leviticus in Scripture? Leviticus is one of the first five books. It's what we would call the history section. Now, is it your history? We would technically say probably not. It's the history of the Jewish people as God forms Israel and as God calls them out by Abraham, as God brings them along and creates them into a numerous people, and as how God shows them how they are to live in His presence. It's their ancestry. It's the Israelite way of worship. It's how and why they should follow God. And, and perhaps that's why we find all of these various laws and statements in accounting of their history and the things that they should be able to remember. As, as we read, we're going we're gonna to actually look at Leviticus 19, verses 1 and 2. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. We're going to stop there, and most of you who are astute and have noticed the principles that I've put out, there was that one that said, never read a Bible verse, and you would say, Pastor Steve, you didn't read much scripture there. And I would say, yes, but I read two verses, okay? Uh, but we do have the option, if you'd like, we could read uh, the whole book of Leviticus, which I did consider, but I thought that might take too much time. I was told... Uh, by Dave, I could not have a 50-minute sermon today. But when we think about these words, and we think about the surrounding area, which is the law that God has given His people, we see that this, perhaps, this verse 2 of Leviticus 19, is perhaps the, the purpose of these laws. Be holy, because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. It gives us context for the law. It would help us understand why Israelites are not supposed to plant perhaps two seeds next to each other in the same field. Maybe why they should not cut the sides of their beard. Maybe it would understand why they're not to have have uh, tattoos on their body or that they should touch pigs or that they should wear clothes with two different types of thread. Now, I apologize if that's important to you. If any of you have a Princeton shirt that we gave out several months ago, um, you probably don't want to wear that anymore because that's actually two different types of thread. But I don't think that that actually is something that we necessarily are worried about. I'm sure if we looked at our clothing this morning, maybe we'd find multiple types of thread. Why? Why are these here? Well, most of these are ceremonial laws. There's different type of law that we, we find in Scripture in Exodus and Leviticus, and, and some of them that we find are 
of the ceremonial nature, they're the laws that the people would follow so that they could draw near to God. They're the laws that they wanted to be aware of, the, the touching of things that would cause them to be unclean, because if they became unclean, then they could not go and approach God, because it is God who is holy. Be holy for I, the Lord, am holy. The laws were, were put in a way so that God could have a relationship with His people. We find that throughout Leviticus, like chapter 17 through chapter 27, we find all of the ways that God asked His people to live in holiness. To live in ways that allow them to be in relationship with Him. The rituals needed for worship. We find elsewhere the ceremonies and the festivals that were ways of celebrating God's work in their life. But there's, there's other law too besides the ceremonial law that we find in Scripture. We would probably not say that the Ten Commandments were ceremonial in nature. We would probably say that they were moral in nature. Matt, would you go around killing someone? No. Right? We would, we would see these laws, those laws that are in the Ten Commandments, as laws that are continuing to be present with us today, that we would not slander our neighbors, that I would not drive over to Casey and Laura's house and steal something from it, even though they live so close right in our neighborhood. That, that we would, would not then go committing adultery, that we would not desire or, or be jealous of things that are not our own. Throughout the Old Testament, we find those types of laws too, the moral law. There's, there's one more type of law that we find, though. We find, we find the, the civil law. The way that the Israelites were to live with one another. The laws that shared how they should leave the four corners of their fields unharvested so that people who were in need could go to those four corners and have enough food to eat. The civil law, the, the law that, that is a reflection of God's justice and His desire to care for people. His justice, His desire to care for the poor, the orphan, the widow, the stranger. All of, of these laws. An opportunity for people to understand more about what God thinks is important and how they are then able to approach the tabernacle, the, the temple where God Himself, who is holy, dwells. There would be probably some laws that we would say we no longer follow. We would probably say that the ceremonial law, the law that relates to Israelite worship 
the ways that the people were to keep holy by not touching pigs, by not shaving the sides of the beard, by not wearing two different types of clothing, those types of things that we would say probably have passed away. And that's because the Israelite people at this time were living under what we would call the old covenant, where God gave them these distinctions and these ways to live for, him, uh, for them to approach him. But now, if we recognize that all Scripture points to Jesus, we recognize that Jesus himself has not come to abolish the law, but he has come to fulfill the law. It was Jesus and by his life that he was able to live all of these ceremonial laws, all of these moral laws, and perhaps all the civil laws in a way that we could never do on our own. He lived them in a way to create a new covenant for us, a new covenant that is in his blood. We heard it earlier and we sang it together. He has washed us with his blood. So then, if Jesus has not come to abolish the law, but come to fulfill the law, what purpose does these do these laws have for us today? What point is there in reading Leviticus? Maybe I should just take Exodus and Leviticus and just rip them out and throw them to the side and, and focus only on the other stuff. I, I would argue that that's probably not a great idea. There's a couple reasons, and, and, and we can hear them uh, by way of uh, reformer, 16th century reformer John Calvin. He shared that there are still multiple purposes and reasons that we desire and we can and we should read the law in Leviticus and even Exodus. One is that the law still works to transform our lives today. And it does it in this way. The law shows us still how we can live today. Right? Matt doesn't go killing people, probably because he's read it in Scripture before. We don't go stealing from people because we see that there is a, a moral law that supersedes all that is here that, that we should truly continue to follow. We read the law and we can read the ceremonial law to understand what God still desires, what God desired, and what God sees as holy living. What God sees as, as ways to honoring people. We would read that perhaps in the civil law. These laws would inform us and inform our understanding of how we could live in ways pleasing to God. Though we are not bound by the law, we can still learn from the law. I think what we would say under the new covenant is that we are washed with Jesus' blood and therefore we, we don't need to follow that, but instead perhaps we follow Jesus, which I would argue is probably even harder than following the law on its own. It was Jesus who lived that perfect life 
And while we will never attain that perfect life, we strive for it by modeling everything that he did in life. And what Jesus modeled in life, we find in the book of Leviticus. We find in the book of Exodus. The ways Jesus lived to honor God. The way Jesus lived to honor the people and the neighbors that he lived with. And I think the interesting thing that we see in Scripture, particularly in the New Testament when we get to Jesus, is how the law was used by the Israelites to kind of segregate people out. To, to push away those unholy people out to the, out the edges of town. And where Jesus instead went and sought out those people that would be considered unclean. That Jesus would reach out and touch those who were unclean. And, and we wouldn't see him become unclean because of it, but instead he would be able to transfer healing and grace, cleanliness to the people. It was Jesus who came to give us a much more broad understanding of who God is and the extent of His love and grace. The truth of the matter is, throughout Leviticus, we could read it and say that God's grace is on every page. God's grace to the Israelites was sharing with them how they are to live and be holy and be in their presence, in His presence. And God's grace to us comes in the form of someone who's fulfilled it, but calls us to take up our cross and follow Him each and every day. And as we read Exodus and we read Leviticus, we'll be better able to follow Him and honor the God that we serve. Let us pray together. Lord, we, we thank You for these, these laws, these often outdated laws, these, these things that perhaps develop into caricatures of Scripture. We thank You. You, uh, you for them because they, they show us how we can honor you. Show us, it shows us how Israel worked to honor you in the living of their life. It would be our prayer, Lord, that you would strengthen us by the power of your Spirit, that we would be able to live more like Christ each and every day. That we would be able to honor you with our thoughts and our actions with our neighbors. And that we, through the power of Jesus, would be able to draw near to your presence more each day. In the name of His, of Jesus that we pray, our Savior. Amen.